0: games in seven days that was my uh my first week back in chicago schedule got out to wisconsin and purdue got out to notre dame and north carolina got out to the big prep event at la lumiere Brad, with uh, oak hill and wasatch and sunrise christian and uh, montverde img uh and then finally villanova to fall on, uh, on saturday it was a heck of a week now i am taking a breath before like four more games this weekend
1: what's on tap for this weekend
0: Well, the hope, well, we're going to do Northwestern Maryland and Valpo Loyola Chicago this week. And then this weekend, we're hoping to do uh, Marquette versus Seton Hall and potentially the UW-Milwaukee game that afternoon. If we're already in Milwaukee, if Pat Baldwin Jr. plays, I'll go. Doesn't Uh, seem like he's going to play. It doesn't seem like it, so I probably won't go. Um, And then I'm also hoping to do Illinois versus Purdue on Monday the 17th. But all things are fluid because I'm having some – some car difficulty, which is always fun, especially this time of year in Chicago. I, was, I, I had to drop my car off at the shop the other day. It was 0. 0.7 miles away, and I Ubered home instead of walking. This a big, soft guy. But it's been, it's been cold, very cold in Chicago. Been, uh, what, uh, the best thing to do right now, stay inside. you know, Fire up bovadasportsbook.com and, and gamble because there's nothing else to do that's fun. There's nothing for me outside.
1: I guess tomorrow... Over here in southeast Massachusetts, it's going to be seven degrees.
0: We, we we had some real feels below zero last week, so it was tough.
1: This is unbelievable. It, it was what? It was like last
2: Tuesday. It was like 50 degrees. It was balmy. Now it's seven degrees. Jesus Christ.
1: But, but you're right. We should go on the old Bovada and fire up some some futures, some lines, lines for tomorrow. I like the, uh, USC minus four and a half at, at Stanford tomorrow.
2: See,
0: I've been looking for the right opportunity to hammer someone against USC. Cause I think, I think there's value there because I just don't, I think they're like Colorado state. They're a very good basketball team, but eventually they're going to get hammered by someone. But, uh, I'm just not sure that Stanford's the team, right? So I don't know, I'll be a, I'll be monitoring that uh that bovada line as best I can because I think Ooh, how
1: about this one? Florida State minus six and a half against Miami. It's a big number. And and in Miami should not be ranked, guys. Come on.
0: Well we will get it in Miami. Yeah. We should get it. Why don't, we, why don't we actually start there? We've had a lot going on. That, that Miami-Duke game was very surprising. I watched the second half, yeah. I watched the second half as well. I think, like, I, I went into that game, and I, I still think I believe this, that Duke at their best is better than any team in college basketball. Now, how often they will reach that best is an open question but I believe that the best version of Duke is the best team in the country. Do you agree with that? Did you find some big areas of concern in this Miami game where you think it was a one-off?
1: I I, I guess it, it's a one-off. I mean, Miami is this really weird team where they have three legitimate, like, really good shot-making guards. They have a lot of pop. You know, they play with a, a nice small ball forward in, in – and Jordan Miller they have very little size up front and they they're, they're really putting that on display they're 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 really focusing on on the offense and you know those teams can can pull a big upset if if guys are hitting shots and making plays and you know they're 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 going to be games where Miami can outperform their talent level because their their offense is so good and maybe Duke's having in off night, and and that's the difference. Where, where their lack of size and lack of defense doesn't play a huge role. I guess that was part of the thing. I didn't even think Duke was playing like that bad. I you know, I, I I was not worried about that outcome for Duke throughout that whole second half. I thought that they were still going to pull away. Once I think it was Paolo got a back tap on Wardenberg that led to a run out dunk. I thought I thought all right, this is it. Duke's Duke's pulling this one off, and then it was what the, the Charlie Moore's scoop layup and one. It's like, all right, this is getting a little testy here. Um, but you know, props to Miami for pulling it off. I don't think that they could do it. I still, I still don't even. I'm still not even sure if they're a tournament team. I feel like the bubble's gonna pop. You know, they barely escape against Syracuse earlier in the year, and and I get you know guys are out of the lineup and whatnot. They barely escape against Florida Atlantic and Fordham, uh, but having four of those first five games at home feel like the hurricanes are coming back to earth and, and we're going to see more of like the bubble NIT team that, that, that we expect in the preseason.
0: Right, I think, I think they're going to get into, into the NCAA tournament because of this win. Right. Like I think at five and O oh now, right. Like if they go 500, the rest of the way in the conference.
2: So
1: say eight and seven puts them at 13, and seven is probably good enough. Yeah.
0: Thirteen and seven with a road win at Duke, no bad loss in the non com. Right? I mean, UCF at home, I guess, could wind up Q three, but like, I mean, is the committee really gonna keep you out for having UCF home and Dayton neutral losses? I don't think so.
1: No, it was so crucial for them to pull to pull through against Florida Atlantic to pull through against Forest.
0: You just keep right, you just keep dodging the bullet and, and you hope that and look, Penn State on the road is Q two. It might sneak Q one, you know. Right, like that. there's value there. That Duke win's going to be awesome. You know, there's not going to be a ton of value for these wins in the ACC, but they're also not going to hurt you. And if you're a 13-7 in the ACC, you're going to go dancing. So their net's a problem. I, I think the thing with Miami is they're really hard to guard because they have three three guards in Wong, Moore, and McGusty. I also think Jordan Miller ha- has some ability to do this as well, who can just, like, create off the bounce with a mismatch one-on-one. I mean, those those three guys are, are buck getters. And you know, they're really old, right? Charlie Moore's a, a COVID year senior. Um, I think in his sixth year, because he redshirted the year at Kansas. You know, McGusty's a sixth-year COVID year senior. You know, two years at Oklahoma, redshirt, three years at Miami. I mean, you're you're playing 24 year olds, and you add in the, you know. NBA ability of Wong Miller was awesome in this game and you just get anything else from the rest of the team and you're going to have a shot. And again, I think there's regression monster coming with the shooting. It's not, they're not going to shoot it as well as they have and they're going to give start giving up some threes. You know, they're, they're just not a good defensive team, but they're explosive enough on offense. I think they're going to wind up just kind of petering away to 500 in this league and get to the So what a huge win for Jim Larinaga! what a huge win uh, for, for this staff and this program. And for Duke, I mean, look, I still am a believer, but like Wendell Moore did not play well in this game. He turned it over six times. Duke turned it over 17 times in this game. They only forced five turnovers. You know, Duke has been great at taking care of the ball this season. They've been great at not fouling. You know, traditionally when you have a team that's great at turning the ball over or great at not turning the ball over and great at not fouling, you're going to win a ton of games. And I still think that footprint exists, but, you know, the fact that Miami was able to turn them over and turn over Wendell Moore in particular as much as they did. Wendell Moore had seven or six turnovers in this game. That's been such an area of improvement for him this season. Before this game, he didn't have a single game over three turnovers. After last year, that was something that was a consistent problem um, with his freshman year as well. He 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 was a turnover machine. You know, I, I don't think this is like a you know sign of things if a huge issues is to come. But I do think it's a little concerning given how much they rely on on want to more that, you know, more or Charlie Moore, excuse me, and then McGusty were able to, to pick his pocket as much they did.
1: You know, for for Miami, their next five games, this a five game stretch is going to be the make or break. Right? You have at Florida State, home UNC, home Florida State, at Virginia Tech, at Georgia Tech. If yep. they can go three and two against that stretch, they're they're gonna put themselves in a the position where they're more likely than not, going going back to the NCAA tournament uh, for for the first time in a couple of years. And then for Duke, I'm I'm not worried about them at all. I I still think that they win the ACC by multiple games. I think they'll collect their two seed, maybe one seed, and uh, you know be, be on their way. Their talent levels are so overwhelming. You know, this wasn't a great game to showcase their size because Miami can spread you out so much. You know, most teams aren't going to do that, and I think. Think think Duke is still sitting in in, in a very nice position.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. You know, I don't have any major major concerns with this Duke team. You know, they're still uh you know, at about the second best odds to win a national title, the second best odds to make a final four. Um the best odds obviously to win the ACC, they're at minus one oh five. So just a kind of you know an even money basically
2: favorite. I I would still hammer that. I mean, who else is going to go win this league? No, I,
1: I mean, UNC and Miami have like nice, nice, pretty records, but they're
2: clearly steps below town wise. Yeah, right. Like, look, I just don't see another team that's going to be able to go fifteen and five, right? And Duke, I think the floor is fifteen and five. I love that. I love that Bovada number. Kind of switching gears, wanted to talk some SEC.
1: Now, I think after having seen Auburn and LSU a couple more times this week, I think I'm more scared of Auburn and LSU than any team in the Big Ten or, or the Big East. Maybe even the Pac-12 too. I think I, I might be more scared of LSU and Auburn than the Arizona, UCLA, USC trio.
2: Do you agree, it, it, or, or, or is this off off base?
0: I'm not sure. I'm with you on LSU. I think they were a little bit fortunate, particularly in the Kentucky game, to get them without Severe Wheeler for most of the game. I mean, like Jacob Toppin played. A whole lot of minutes for Kentucky. And I like Jacob Toppin, but, you know, if Jacob Toppin's the guy you're relying on, you're probably not, you know, a top 15 team.
1: He was balling out. He was hitting jumpers. He was dunking the ball. He was flying all
0: over the place. That crazy dunk. But I'm not quite there with LSU. I I am there with Auburn, without a doubt. I, I think Auburn's a top five team. I think Smith and Kessler is the best front court in college basketball. The best rim protector. In Kessler, the best shooting big man in Jabari Smith, maybe the best pure shooter in college basketball in Jabari Smith. Green has been outstanding. Johnston's aggressive. You're getting um Alan Flanagan back. He's played their last three games. He's starting to find a rhythm. You know, if he could just be solid, that's huge. You've got Zeb Jasper, who's been steady on the defensive NMA shots. You've got Devin Cambridge and Jalen Williams, these athletic front court players that could play the three of the four. You've got Cardwell, who can be the backup center. I mean, this is as as steady a nine as you've you've, become in college basketball. They're really, really solid. They defend the rim. They attack off the bounce. They play with pace. Yeah, I I think Auburn should be in the national title conversation. I think I said it on last week's show. I don't remember 100% because, quite frankly, I've talked about Auburn with a lot of people in last week we 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 kind of settle in after the ba- after Baylor got number one I'm like, oh yeah you know there's six or seven teams that win a national title and it's Kansas and it's Duke and it's Baylor and it's you know Gonzaga and it's Purdue and it's Baylor and I think we just kind of collectively forgot auburn and we just kind of labeled they we'll they're there they're in the next year they're in the next year I don't investigate I think I think Auburn is right there and I think they have all the makings and I think you've seen it you know, they're just They've been in cruise control in all three of their of their wins. I mean, there were a few a few nervy moments against Florida this weekend, but their their conference wins. I mean, they, they they blitzed Auburn or LSU in the first ten minutes. The game was over at the at the U U you twelve. Know, South Carolina they 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 blitzed them in the first ten minutes. The game was over at the U U twelve. I mean, this team. Has the firepower, but also the defensive might. And look, without you know, without that UConn double overtime loss, that they really had a win. You, know, they, they had that game won.
2: Is Auburn undefeated right now? I mean, they had to play. Bay- they would have had to play Bay- Baylor instead of Syracuse. But I mean, this team is really, really special. And that, and that UConn game was one of the
1: games of the year. I think I said it every podcast, but. I mean, that that was just such a battle. And, you know, Auburn's much better than I anticipated because, you know, multiple reasons. Number one, Walker Kessler, especially on the defensive end. Number two, their mid-major guards have just been unbelievable on the defensive end. I mean, Jasper and Green. And then I, get, I guess thir- thirdly, you know, I, I didn't – Think Flanagan was going to be back. You know, this, this, this was the timetable that they gave for him. But look at a Cook of Cook; he's still not even 100 percent with his Achilles. But you had him, and you have Ace Baldwin for for VCU coming back super quick. And I, you know, I'm sure that the 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 injuries, uh, although they're the same part of the body, I'm sure were different severities and whatnot. But um, the fact that Flanagan's back now, they don't even really need him that much. But I mean, he's a NBA prospect. That's even more. NBA talent there. I mean, Kessler's been incredible. Mitch and Smith's a potential number one pick, so they got the top-end talent. They have guard play. They have shooting, scoring. The defense is awesome. Uh, you know, there's just everything there for Auburn. And then for, for LSU, I mean, they just have so much size and athletic size. Like, guys like Reed and Eason and Days and Fudge. I mean, these guys are huge they're athletic. They're long. I'm just in love with,
2: with
1: with his makeup, right? And then hopefully Eric Pinson's okay. I think I saw that it, it was only a knee sprain, right? I'll yeah, say, it's going
0: to be a bit, but it's fortunately not a season-ender.
1: Yeah, so if he gets back and he's 100% by, by March, you know, maybe you can quibble with a little bit of lack of shooting, uh, but but Days is probably a better shooter than those numbers indicate. I think you have enough creation there in the backcourt. Um, and then Eason, leading scorer, and has emerged as an NBA prospect. I really loved Tari Eason last year at, at Cincinnati. I certainly did not expect him to be an NBA prospect. And then from the team standpoint, I mean, once Adam Miller went down, I was kind of like, all right, LSU's trending more toward the bubble. Prior to. Prior to Miller's injury, I had them in the top 25. Moved them out because I said, "Where's the scoring? Where's the shooting?" And, it, and it's guys like Eason and Fudge and Murray being better than expected. The fit looks good. Fit looks good. Defense is awesome. I think, I think the defense is number one, and that's that's the recipe for an LSU team looking at like a two seed.
0: I think it's I think it's crazy how how well their defense has held up. I mean, I think. Look, I think the biggest reason we would have been off on LSU in the preseason is like you would have said, Yeah, how are they gonna score? Like if you if you had told me in the preseason that on January tenth, the day we're recording this, LSU would have the seventy seventh ranked ten palm offense in the country, that would've been like alarm bells. That would've been like this team's not gonna answer the play tournament. And instead they might be a top ten team.
1: They're just so huge at like right? at every position except for right. i mean i think Moe's we rely a a little too
0: heavily on the on the history defensively and not like the personnel the personnel right. is, is really good but i mean i look especially if pinson i don't love xavier pinson but they need they need that kid because eric gaines is not you know eric gaines is a has a worse turnover rate than assist rate he can't shoot like if if eric gaines has to play 35 minutes a game and handle the ball, and Brandon Murray has to be your your best shot creator, you're gonna have some problems, right? Like Eason is good, but he's not a guy that's really creating his own offense, right? And Days takes some really wacky shots. Like
1: Justice Williams has has looked pretty good since they broke his red shirt. It's true. Like
0: I I just I have my I, I just think something is coming here with this team. Like I just don't know. They win two home games. Like, like, let's see this this stretch they have coming up. They have at Florida, they have at Alabama, and they have at Tennessee in the next ten days. If they win even one of those, I'll start. I'll believe in the SEC title push. That SEC and, title is going to be awesome, though. I mean, just outstanding. I know.
1: We, uh, uh, we uh, lost one of the teams. With Alabama's, is doing stupid stuff. When, whenever you turn your head, you know. I, I, I think like gun to my head. I'd say Alabama's probably the second most talented team in the SEC behind Auburn. I think that they're probably better than a bunch of teams that are currently ranked. But like, you can't rank Alabama because they, they've they've done stupid stuff like four times in two months. How do you have any faith that they're not going to do stupid stuff again? In terms of their resume, I mean, the, the Houston win is not going to age well. They just don't have the horses anymore, right? I don't think at least, but
2: also
0: at Bovada, um, if you look at the sec conference futures, because I think that's the most wide open league in the country right now. Right. Like I think if you said, what's the, you know, what's, what's the, what's the league that you have the least feel for the sec, the big East. Um, Auburn's plus 200 Kentucky's plus 350 Alabama's plus 500. LSU's plus 650 and Tennessee plus 10, uh, plus 1000, not 1000. Good yet. Um, is there one that that jumps out there to you, Brad? I mean, like, kind of think there's still the value
2: would be on Auburn because I think this team is really good. But you know, six and a half to one on LSU. That that feels like good value to me. Yeah, let me just pull this up again. I will say one SEC. Yeah I, yeah, I think I think stick with Auburn, even though they have the
1: shortest odds, I guess. Are yeah. but they're cl- clearly the best mix right now of talent and and performance. Can we talk about the
0: disaster that is Arkansas?
1: How how funny was that picture I sent? So all these kind of crazy fan bases, whenever they have a loss this year, I. I I've started just going on Twitter, searching the coach's name, see what I found. Not a ton of crazy stuff after Indiana losses for Mike Woodson. But the Arkansas fans are very upset, um, which is crazy because they went to the, the Elite Eight last year, or a Sweet 16-er, however far they made it. They made it very far. They have a great recruiting class. Things are going really well overall. Not... This year, I I mean, they're not out of tournament contention yet, but they haven't helped themselves, and they have a couple of questionable losses. But the the fans are really upset with uh, Mr. Musselman.
0: They're underwhelming this year for sure. I mean, it's disappointing. Is I think I thought I thought the thing that was funny was they tweeted yesterday, like the Arkansas men's basketball account tweeted out like a like here's like a midseason check in on how all our recruits are doing, and I was like. Yeah, they they know where the bread is buttered. You know, they know yeah. that they need everyone bought into the uh to to the Nick Smith era. I think Nick Smith's awesome. I think Muss is awesome, right? Like, you know, muss didn't forget how to coach. He's done it with every every staff he's had. You know, it's it's not the staff turnover. It's just you know, right now they have some chemistry issues with Devo Davis in particular, with Chris Likes, who has kind of fallen in and out of the rotation with. You know, Tay, who's been inefficient, with Audis Tony, who's kind of flit, been more of like a glue guy. He's, he's actually had a great year statistically, but, you know, it's not like like I, I don't think they have elite talent. And I think and you combine that with chemistry issues, right? Like you can deal with chemistry issues when you have elite talent. Eventually, the talent will overcome it, right? You can deal with not having elite talent if you have very good chemistry. Right now, I don't think Arkansas has elite talent or good chemistry. And, you know, when that combines, I mean, look, like you said, none of the, none of these games individually, you know, with the exception of Hofstra and maybe Vandy at home are going to hurt them. I think Vandy's a good chance to want a top three, five and not even hurt them, but they just like, they need to do something right. Their resume right now is completely empty with the exception of a neutral court win over Cincinnati and a neutral court win over Kansas state,
1: which Uh, is a a whole lot of nothing.
0: Correct. Like. Eventually, you're not gonna, not only going to have to turn it around and beat you know Missouri and beat South Carolina at home, but you know they got they got to they got to make a statement. You know they got to win at LSU this weekend. They got to win at Alabama in, in the middle of February. Like, like, it's no longer going to be enough for them to just roll out of bed and like beat Mizzou, beat South Carolina, beat Texas A&M and call it a day, right? And, and and there's no reason they can't win you know at least three of their next four heading into a road game against Ole Miss. At the end of January, to some momentum, like they can figure it out, but like they need to move the needle. And again, like program wise, no worries. Must is good.
2: Like they'll figure it out, but like, man, oh man. And you know, last year looking at at, at Arkansas's roster,
1: my take was, all right, this is a bubble team because at best they have a couple third best players. You know, Justin Smith's a third best player. Moses Moody's a third best player. Turns out. No, both those guys can be best players, and, and that's why Arkansas was so good last year. I think this year the roster, it looks like okay. J.D. Note's is like a nice third best player. Tony's a nice third best player, but where's the talent? Uh, and, and that's actually what's what's borne out. They're just kind of missing one or two kind of next level guys. They have some, they they have good solid players up and down the lineup, but they're missing that real great player. Correct. And you
0: can't overcome that when you don't have good
1: chemistry. Exactly. Right. Like you can overcome that if that's a, a senior laden team that's played together the past three years and.
0: They, or just like bought yeah. in, right? Like last yeah. year, obviously Moody became an elite scorer.
2: But in the NCAA tournament, like if you remember, um, like I want to pull it up with
0: Moses Moody averaged in the NCAA tournament. Because he was really underwhelmed in the N.C.A.A. tournament last year, Moses Moody had 11, 14, 15, and 12 in his four games, and none of them he had a shot a good percentage from the field. Like he was not dominating. Like like, but Jalen Tate played hard as shit. Justin Smith played hard as shit. Devo Davis played hard as shit. Right, like they had dudes out there just working. Oh, Desi Sills, like he he was a grinder, man. Like they don't. They don't have that workman like mentality. They play like they've got it made, and that's a problem for the Razorbacks, who I think belong in that conversation of the most disappointing teams in the country.
1: Um. See, how about how about next? I mean, I I would be remiss not to mention that. Um. Oh no, we uh, we had touched on it last week because we podcasted after that fateful game where where Marquette knocked the crap out of. Roberts. Oh yeah. Uh. But then Marquette knocked the crap out of Georgetown too. And they've improved their, their metrics this week enough to look like a tournament team. You know, Since that UCLA loss, I said, this team has real last four in vibes. Uh, but with, with how the bubble's in and how they look now, I mean, Marquette could easily be like an eight or a nine seed. Uh, and, and one of the main reasons for their quick turnaround here is the play of Olivier Maxence Prosper, who I was like really... Uh, squinting hard at, at, at Shaka when he's rolling out with three bigs, starting Maxence Prosper at the three alongside their best player, Justin Lewis, and then their shot blocker, Kirk West, all of which are fours and fives really. Uh, but seems to be working. Maxence Prosper is hitting hit jumpers. He's flying around on defense. He's killing it in uh, transition. I think I saw from from the Marquette blog, I think it's called paint touches. Um I think that they tweeted something today about how he's just absolutely killing it in in uh, transition opportunities. And the three of those guys, they're, they they have good size, they're long, and they're very athletic. And you have a pick and roll savant in Colek, and you have a nice collection of kind of shooting and defensive wings there. With Jones can really shoot it, Elliott can really shoot it, and then Marcel can really lock you down. Um, and then off the bench. Igadaro's found his niche. Another one of these guys, similar to a Christian Bishop, where as a recruit, they're like top 150, they're listed as a wing. And then as a freshman, they don't do much. And then sophomore, uh, okay, you're playing center, and all of a sudden you're flying around making plays, dunking the ball, blocking shots. So I think Marquette's actually in pretty good shape to make the tournament in the first year of Shaka Smart.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Marquette that's that's interesting is if you were, you know, they start 0-3 in the league with three, like, justifiable losses, but two of them were at home. And and you looked up and said, man, if they don't win this Providence game, they're left for dead, right? They're just going to not, they're not going to win enough games. And they're going to, I mean, the joking rule name for it was like the Archie Miller or the Shock Smart rule is you're going to have not, not have good enough conference record to get in. um, And... You know, they find a way to be Providence. They find a way to be Georgetown. And the big thing, like you mentioned, you know, they were they were 85th in Ken entering
2: the Providence game. Um, they're now 51. They done 34 spots in two games by blowing
0: out Providence and Georgetown. Are they any different a team? No,
2: absolutely not.
0: Exactly, like it's
1: they, they just play with their food against SIU Edwardsville and a couple of those other teams. New Hampshire, New Hampshire, New New Hampshire's pretty good for, yeah. for for a buy team, but still. Yes. Uh, and then they got the doors blown off third game in three days against Bonneys. That was that was basically the summation of how they got down to 85th. But you know the, the Bonnies game should, should should age a little better. You know, Bonnies aren't going to be in the 100s for the you know for, for the whole season and. Looking on okay paper for Shaka.
0: Yeah, they're, they're in okay shape. I mean, you look ahead, you say they have DePaul tomorrow, or I guess yeah, probably today by the time you guys hear the podcast, and uh, they have January 15th game against Hall. You'd like to win both. You win both, you feel really, really good. You know.
1: Well, yeah. So so Marquette has the win against Providence. The, the Big East, it's a double round robin, and there's four clear teams that aren't aren't going to have tournament resumes, right? So the key is. Don't do anything stupid beat up on Georgetown, DePaul, Butler and St. John's. Which means St. John's is really the key to the whole Big East season. Because St. John's doesn't suck. Right. They're pretty good. They may have NCAA tournament level talent. They're not very cohesive. They're they're not well built like like the team on on paper looked pretty solid but in practice too many Jump shooters, too many kind of physical guards, not not enough size. I know that they wanted to play Schimpenny on the wing this year, but out, outside of the Providence game, Aaron Wheeler has not been a factor. So he's playing all the four. Gee, who,
0: who could have seen this coming?
1: I know, remember the preseason with St. John's pumping up Aaron Wheeler as his crazy impact player. They should have and been Hall Dylan pumping Adiwus. up Jameer Harris.
0: They should have been pumping Dylan, Dylan Adiwus.
1: I love his game and he he just he just gets after it he's aggressive he's huge but but yeah so 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 they're a little short on on size the, the roster doesn't fit great but they can beat anybody in this league so it's going to be very crucial for Crit and Marquette especially to to put St. John's away
2: where, yeah, where where
0: where did you think where do you stand at St. John's right now because like I think the challenge, right, is their metrics aren't very good because they played with their food against FDU, they played with their food against NJIT, they played with their food in St. Francis. Absolutely. They don't have any quality wins, right? They have the mediocre to bad, probably bad loss to Pitt.
1: It, it was without champagne, so maybe maybe they get credit, Masters. but they're not going to be good enough to get credit anyway. So.
0: Right. So like, what what is it to do the rest of the way to be in the conversation to get an NCAA tournament for?
1: Well, well, so there, there there are plenty of opportunities in the Big East. I mean, if uh, you go twelve and eight,
0: right? They have to go eleven and seven, twelve and eight.
1: You know. Yeah, you're good. I mean, Providence in the Corona abbreviated season, right of of 1920 in the non-con had a quadrant four loss and three quadrant three losses. They went twelve and six, which gave them I think five or six quad one wins um and they were going to be like a 7 or an 8 seed. So so I think tw- 12 and 8 should do it for St. John's. Right. The issue is I don't think that their supporting cast is good enough. I mean even against Providence, I mean they they got out to a nice lead. Chimpenny was was shut down the first half by Manaya and then they then Providence went zone and it was just guys missing three-pointers, Providence getting out and running. And it's taking control of the game. So it's gonna, you know, for 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 when Saint John's is gonna play, say Marquette, you know, maybe a more sell or a guy like Prosper with more size is gonna guard Champeny. I mean, he he's gonna be the focal point of of every team's attack, right? Every team is gonna try to take away Champeny and make Montez Mathis and Dylan Adewuzu beat you. Uh, and, and I think that Saint John's is just maybe one front court scoring threat and one backcourt scoring threat short of being a really good team. And with how the big East is this year that puts them at eighth. And eighth is not not going to the tournament.
0: So here's a question kind of to think about like bigger picture with St. John's, right? Like this theoretically should be the best team that they've had. Right. I I I actually do believe that they're better than the team they had last year. Right. I know that's great, but they're they're a better team. They're more complete. They're more athletic. You know, Champagne's better. Posh a little bit better. But like the reality is setting in that this is probably not an NCAA tournament
2: team, right? And Champagne's gone. Next year's year four for Mike, and he just got an extension. He he got another extension for building the team like like
0: before he actually did anything you know right like it's so it's so it's so baffling it's like okay you built a decent team you've got the you've got the good players you've had two like decent years here contract extension through 2027 I don't know man if St John's is going to go to the NCAA tournament this year and they don't go next year which you know you'd think it's gonna be hard if they can't go this year and they lose Champagne. What what are we doing here? You know, like like Mike Anderson has not had a top 65 St. John's Kenpom team. It would take a significant jump this year to get there. You'd imagine it's not going to get any better next year without Champagny. Like, you know, this is not an, an easy job, right? I mean, Norm
2: Roberts never made the NCAA tournament. Steve Lavin only made it twice. But, like, man.
0: Like, well, like this is a kind of a like this this was a program year you needed, even if it wasn't a great year. You had to get dance, go dancing. And, you know, after that, that loss to Providence, it just, you know, the the door is closing by the day.
1: Yeah, I think it it really comes down to that pick game, because if if you win that pick game, at least you go into the Big East play having done nothing right. You did nothing wrong, nothing right. Uh, But now you have a stain on your resume. And I, you have to go twelve and eight, and this team, it has the talent to ma- to maybe do it. Like there is a path, but I, I think that they're the eighth best team, right? So they're 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 climbing uphill. There there are a lot of teams to to jump, and it's tough because something definitely overachieved his first two years, and, and he built a, a pretty good team this year. And you know, I I wouldn't write off next year. You know, if um, if you can bring back Posh, Wuzu, and, and Mathis for for a fifth COVID year, you have Soriano in there. Um, you'll get Pinzon back as a nice piece off the bench. You know, you add say one, one transfer for the bench, and you add a, a good starting power forward, and you know maybe that's enough because you know teams lose their best player every year. I mean, look at Providence. You lose David Duke. I, I was more down on this se- on this team in the preseason than like any team in the Cooley era. Uh, but turns out Durham and Vaniah were plenty good enough, and the the pieces fit a little bit better this year. Got the, the guys who came back got, got better. I mean, maybe that's a equation for, for St. John's to make it next year. Uh, but I would say the the, the odds are not in in the Johnny's favor right now. And, you know, people like to say college basketball is better when the Johnny's and Georgetown are good. I mean, that, to me, that's kind of a weird statement. I don't think it really matters which teams are good as long as you have some good teams, right? If Duke and Kentucky are down, you know, you have Baylor and Gonzaga who are quickly becoming, like, faces of the sport. But, yeah, St. John's is in kind of a pickle. It's not... It's not doom and gloom. It's not like the situation at Georgetown's in by any means, but um, it's going to be a really telling end of the season to the tra- trajectory right. of the Mike Anderson era.
0: Right. Like, if they, if they scrap and they get to 500 in the league and go to the NIT, then, you, the, 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 then the consensus is like, okay, Mike Anderson does a good job of, like, like he he's clearly, like, raised the floor at St. John's. He's done like a steady job. He hasn't gotten over the hump. He disappointed this year, but that's okay. Like we're consistently in the mix to play in the postseason. That's you know that's the goal at a place like St. John's. Move
2: on, right? If if the wheels come off, that's a problem. Right? Like if, if this team goes like 7 and 13 in the league, it's an issue. Absolutely. But you know, when Chris
1: Mack and Chris Holtman left the Big East, right? You, you sized up the coaches, and you were like, oh, this is a very un- uninspiring group. But then you fast forward a couple years later, and Greg McDermott makes Sweet 16. Kevin Willard's built a couple good teams. You add in Dan Hurley and Shaka Smart. And all of a sudden, these seven Big East teams that are looking like tournament teams at this point, I mean, they, they all have really like good, stable Coaches, they're they're in good good spots here. Even Travis Steele.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say Steele is the exception, but he's a recruiter.
1: And, I mean, they're they're playing really well at this point. I mean, if he can get Xavier to the Sweet Sixteen or better this year, then you know, gotta add him to the mix. But you know, my my larger point being, every conference inherently has guys that are on the hot seat, like even guys that are you know. Mike Anderson's a good, solid coach, but if he's going to be the eighth best coach in this league, after a couple of years, you're going to be on the hot seat like that. Um, so I think he he's not only fighting against kind of St. John's making it, but also staying at a level where St. John's fans don't look around and say, do we have the worst or second worst coach in the conference? And, you know, if Ewing... Steps down, and then maybe Butler has another bad year, and Laval Jordan gets fired or something, and Anderson could be,
2: like, the him and Stubblefield could be at the bottom, you know? Stubb still hasn't played hard, man. Yeah, I mean, s- solid year one. It's kind of
1: di- discouraging that at, after a strong non-con, they've reverted back to old, old DePaul, but... Yeah, and and you're gonna lose Javon. Like they're
0: gonna to have to get some kids in the portal. Like that's really gonna define it, right? Like they're, you know, they're 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 meeting expectations right now for the season. They're probably ahead of expectations still with the Rutgers and the Louisville win. You know, losing Javon will make a challenge, but you're gonna bring back Davy Jones. You're gonna bring back Nick on Genda. You're gonna bring back you know Jalen Terry, who's been decent. Hopefully, you can get Ty and Grant Foster healthy. You know, that that was a really unfortunate situation. But he played half of his first game, put up nine points in the first half, and then had a a horrible incident and had to go to the hospital. Um, But, you know, they're going to need some dogs, right? If they get some dogs, they'll be in good shape. But I think think the Big East is going to be fun, without a doubt. A lot of NCAA tournament caliber teams. A lot of talent.
1: Um, How about this? Thursday afternoon, were you glued to Loyola-San Francisco? Oh,
0: we, we do have to discuss this, yeah. Brad, you
1: you know me. You know I was glued to Loyola-San Francisco. Hey, I, I I was trying to watch the second half on my phone, so I, I I technically watched the entire second half. I'm not sure how much I retained. I couldn't really tell who was who. And, you know, I'm kind of like looking at my computer well, tough, half the time. If, you don't so. watch,
0: if it's tough you don't watch the teams as regularly, too, you know? yeah. I watch Loyola— almost every game. So I know like, you know, I can pick out Schwieger versus, you know, all these guys. You you probably how like how, you you watched Loyola and in Atlanta that's probably it.
1: Yeah, I, I watched Michigan State versus Loyola. I watched that whole game. I watched a big chunk of Loyola DePaul. And that might have been it for Loyola.
0: Yeah. Were, did you have any impressions from this game that you sort of retain and sort of didn't?
1: Uh, San Francisco had a had a nice comeback there at the end where they were forcing oh, yeah. some turnovers getting out and running
0: um, I, I I thought San Francisco with um you know the ball screen offense with Bouye and Shabazz distributing to Misalski. I mean Misalski was a monster. They couldn't handle. It. But Loyola ran its offense so crisply Obviously, Schweger had a huge game. He's really their their hidden gem, their secret weapon. I was talking to one of their staff members, and he's like, "Yeah, like he kills everybody every day in practice, and like he just doesn't start because you know we 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 give credit to guys who've been here, who built this program, who brought us to a species team last year. But like Schweger's a dog, and he proved it in this game. Um, they're just like they're just so well coached and so disciplined, and you know really really share the ball." um but also have have like big time shot makers and get to the free throw line like they 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 put up 1.2 points per session in their first game out of a 20 something day pause like that's
1: absurd i mean i don't know how much the pauses matter i i know the, the numbers say that's what three points or something but i mean i feel like every other tweet it's like oh it was really impressive coming out coming off a pause and it's like well if everyone's being impressive off a pause then it doesn't really matter. But or, I think my my uh, biggest takeaway of the game was I think I have a new analogy. The announcer says oh, said something like it was like harder to harder than nailing jello to a tree or something? Is that you yeah. you yeah. catch that one? Yeah
0: yeah yeah we had the, the nailing jello to the tree. He did the one where he said I think he said that like Lucas Williamson was was on Bouye like freckles on a redhead. <laughs> um, this this broadcaster was taking his moment in the sun and just was rolling with it. It was it was everything you want in mid major sure basketball like a random internet stream. I was talking to Drew Valentine post game Fields to see after dark and there's like a warm up for a JUCO game going on behind them. You know the stream was crazy couldn't find it. I mean it was. But it was, I mean, it was special, and it was a great one for Loyola, you know, especially given that they navigated that, you know, first conference game against Bradley well, you know, they 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 went down and then rallied and won it. Do you start to talk about this team like in near lock status? I mean, well, there's so him. many
1: minefields in that league. Oh yeah, unexpectedly this year too, because we thought Drake and Northern Iowa and Missouri State would all be better than they were, but
0: but like.
2: You know, could they go like 14 and 4 and still get in? I kind of think um, so. no. But yeah. I
1: also don't think that they will go 14 and 4. I think no, they, no, no. Uh, yeah, like, like
0: I think they're going 15 and 3 or better. But like yeah, with a neutral win over San Francisco, a neutral win over Arizona State, a road win at the Paul, a road win at Vanderbilt. You know, no bad losses in the on league Really good metrics. An established brand. Like. Like, I have a hard time believing it. Like, I have a hard time seeing a path for them not dancing at this point. And I also think, like, they're going to win their conference tournament. Like, the best argument for rooting for San Francisco in that game was literally, like, San Francisco needs it. Well, it's probably still going to get the at-large. Get the uh, out of it, excuse me.
1: I mean, BYU and St. Mary's didn't look so hot on Saturday night. So I think San Francisco, I think that they have BYU tomorrow, maybe? Or or at least this week. So that'll be a nice litmus test for them. You know, if if they can at least knock off BYU and St. Mary's, I think they'll be fine.
0: Yeah. I mean I think both teams belong. Like I like I test wise both teams belong.
1: Yeah. And you know, I think Loyola and Colorado State too, I think that they, they've been anointed like the mid majors.
0: Oh and it matters. Like,
1: from a couple of years ago, we were talking about Nevada and URI. Where like you, you pull up at the end of the year, you're like, "Whoa, these resumes don't look good at all." Uh, but they they just have the kind of the mid-major darling air, which is going to get them at least like an eight seed. Little uh,
0: little plus 3,500 sprinkle on a uh, on Bovada to. To to take the uh the Ramblers to the Final Four.
2: Well, 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 here's an interesting kind of side question to that. Projecting what you think
1: Loyola will do for the rest of the year, what seed do you think Loyola gets in the tournament?
0: Right. It's so tough because last year their rep metrics were crazy, and they still got the eight seed. But I think this year they're going to have like a slightly better resume. If you remember like their non-con last year, they lost the game to Wisconsin. They lost the game to Richmond. You know, you felt like they were going to get the at-large because of their metrics. But you didn't feel like it was a guarantee. And they needed to win the Valley Tournament. I think this year their resume will be a little bit better. So maybe there's like a ceiling of like a six seed. Well, we've seen in the past, like with Wichita State. Like that's, you know, it's really hard to get above an eight seed.
1: Well, didn't, West didn't West Murray City? State get a five when they were undefeated for most of the year? Yes, but Loyola is not undefeated. But they have... I mean, if a people love the great loss category, I mean, they have two fantastic losses. Auburn well, under yeah. neutral, and Michigan State on neutral.
0: And competed in both games.
1: Absolutely. Like, yeah, Michigan State was down to the wire. Like, of sure, done. Should have beaten Michigan State. Well, kind of, you know, in, in terms of can, can, can little advance, right? Like, if they're a sixth seed, I'm not afraid of most of these three, fours and fives like Michigan state doesn't scare me. Ohio state doesn't scare me. You know, if I'm, you know, province is, isn't scary. Seton hall doesn't really have the offensive firepower to be scary. You, you know, those, those, you know, Villanova's lost, you know, a bunch of games at this point. A lot, a lot of these teams aren't very scary. Where I think the ones and two seeds are, you know, I think if I have to play Baylor or Auburn or Gonzaga or Arizona or Duke, I, I think I'm a little more scared. I'm a little more down on my chances, but you know, Loyal has already shown they can play right with Michigan state and, you know,
0: right. Well, I I think the thing that's, I didn't think the thing that's challenging, right. But like for the average team, I would just say you always want the best seed possible, right? Because, you know, if you're a mid major, you just want to be able to win a game, right? Like, you're not worried that, like, oh, man, you know, if I get a nine seed, it's going to be harder for me to get the Sweet 16, right? Right. You want to win a game. It's hard to win games. But I think – I almost think if you're Loyola, because your core has all played in the NCAA tournament, you know, all of them pretty much lose to Sweet 16. Uh, Lucas and Ahir have been to a Final Four. You'd almost be like, we'll roll the dice and see if we lose our 12-5 game, you know, or 6-11 game if we're stuck in an 11 seed. And have that path to get to a final four. Like they, like they believe in that program. They can win a national title. And like yeah that's rich. But like they, they there's a belief in that. Like like a final four. Or a national title is like far from out of reach. And like look they probably should have gotten. To the elite eight last year. Like they, they should not have lost to Oregon State. And they would have posed a much bigger challenge to Houston. Like, like like, they know when they get in that tournament. That they're a factor. And I, I, I think. You know, I, I think if you're Loyola, you almost would just like love to have the opportunity. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think Loyola can get a six seed, and I think a six would be a nice path. You know, you can play Miami or Wake Forest or St. Mary's in round one, and then go up against the, you know, Wisconsin, and just have to worry about shutting down Johnny Davis. You know, that's that's a fine path for me. And you know, I. I, I agree. They, I they, they
0: already they, did shut down Johnny Davis.
1: Secret in a secret scrimmage. scrimmage, which is why I ranked, which is why I dropped Wisconsin 20 spots in my preseason poll. Uh, not the smartest thing I've ever done. But, you know, it's really all about getting the best seed possible to win that first game. Because, you know, there there are, there are eight, eight and nine seeds that get stuffed by the one seed every year. But you can pull off that upset and, you know, occasionally – you can be the Kansas State where you you kind of waltz into a second round game against UMBC. Uh, you know, fours and fives do that all the time. It, it's just 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 get that that uh, best seed possible and try yeah, to I mean, play with forcing. An,
0: team. Un, an underrated part of UCLA's final four run last year was the fact that they drew Abilene Christian in the second round instead of Texas. Yep, their third game in five days. That's a hard game for the first four team play a really good Texas team and Texas like lays
1: an egg. Houston didn't have to play a a single digit seed until the Final Four. Yep. Get get those high seeds.
0: Anyway, well that was a huge game. One other bracket bustery game. I didn't watch a ton of this, I watched a little Iona St. Louis. Definitely a game that like I saw some people saying like it's a no lose for Iona. You know? And I almost disagree with that. Right. Like I think losing that game mattered for Iona. Because I think one of the best ways is a low major or a low to mid-major is just to have such a gaudy record and not have the proof that you're not actually that good. Right. And the you know, they already have the Kansas loss. They are you know, St. Louis now they have three losses with the Belmont loss. Like, if you get to five losses, you lose two more in Mac play, and then you lose a sixth in the conference tournament. You know. There goes your. I I think it's gonna be really tough for them to get the at-large. Right. I I, I really do. Either that's good. I think they're good. Like I, I think they're a high-quality basketball team. But like, you know, I don't think they're an at-large team necessarily. You know, I think they've played with their food a lot. I think their offense is shaky
2: game to game. Like, I think the biggest thing I would say is like. Iona.
0: Like like. Iona will have the benefit of like being a Patino team. Like they'll have the recognition. Similar to like the anointed mid-major thing we just discussed. Where if they're in the mix, people may be, oh, you know, Patino, you know. Like the belly aching will be there.
1: And you know, there there are a few teams that are similar to Iona where they just basically gotta be perfect the rest of the way and then lose in their conference tournament final to Right, you know, which you know which I like, always laugh about.
0: It's like you know, good luck, it, guys.
1: <laughs> you got to get to be an at-large.
0: You have to, you, to be an at-large. You got to go like 19-1 and one in the league. And it's like, okay, so you're going to go 19-1 in the league, and then you're just going to randomly lose in the conference tournament. Like, I understand that things are unpredictable. Like, if you're so good that you're going to go 19-1, you're probably not going to lose in the conference tournament.
2: You're you just have now.
1: Iona, you have Chattanooga, you have m- maybe some combination of Murray State and Belmont. Um, State,
0: the Memphis win agent nicely.
1: And then, and then before Jerry, the, Jerry
0: Palm had had, had, had Murray State as an at large the other day. I was losing my mind, Dad.
1: A bunch of people have uh, have Belmont as at large too. Yeah. Uh And then it, if if they hadn't lost to Rice, you know, maybe you could throw UAB in there too. Um, yeah. Louisiana Tech. I know they lost to LSU. I don't know what their other two losses are, but uh, again. Very like one of them. So maybe Louisiana Tech too. Good luck, guys. Just need to win 21 more straight games. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's like you you need to win 22 in a row so that then you can lose the conference
0: champion. That you lose the 23rd and you're good. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, cool.
1: So you. You said you were going to go to Northwestern, Maryland, car man. car permitting. Um,
0: I, I don't even need a car. I could take public transportation.
1: Fancy city boy. Um, oh, yeah. Just doesn't feel like it's going to happen this year for Northwestern. I thought oh, they man. had the talent on paper. They looked pretty they good do. against Wake Forest, almost pulled it out, gave, gave Providence some trouble. It's just not going to happen, I don't think.
0: Northwestern, now 352 in Kenpomaluk. Like, but they have five years in a row had bad Ken Palm luck.
1: So it's no longer luck. It's Chris Collins. So right? what, what, what is Ken Palm luck? Because I saw it's like Wisconsin it's like had very close, high Ken Palm luck. It's but. like,
0: it's how successful you are in close games. It winds up being a proxy for that most of the time. Oh. Which could, because theoretically, if you, you know, if you played 10 games that are decided by five points, you should win five and lose five, right? Like, you know, if you're playing games that are are, are, are evenly matched,
2: You should win a a fair number of them, and if you're two and eleven in close games, you're probably unlucky. I I get the math behind it, but so much of that just comes down to like free throw shooting and and
1: coaching,
0: right? Like Northwestern, like it's no, I I can no longer say they're unlucky, right? Like when they had freshmen and sophomores, they went eight and twenty-four, and they lost a bunch of games. They led with ten minutes to go, and they led with five minutes to go because they blew them late. And they mismanaged late game situations, they didn't get stops, and they didn't run offense, like and whatever you, you you were playing with freshmen and sophomores, it happens. And then last year, when you're sophomores and juniors, you know, you won a couple more games, but you still blew like four or five games that you should have won. That if you win three of them, you're right on the bubble, or you're you're definitely an IT team, you're right on the bubble of the United Tournament team. And now you're juniors and seniors, right? You're an old team. There is no excuse at this point. For losing the game to Penn State, right? Wake Forest was a road game. It was tight the whole way. Whatever. You needed that game, but whatever. Providence it was new. You know, it was, it, it was a road game or a neutral court game. Providence was probably the better team. Whatever. Michigan State at home. You probably you probably had that game. You probably could have won it, but Michigan State's a good team. Whatever. Penn State at home. When you lead by ten with nine thirty to go, you better you better win that game. You really better win that game. Northwestern had. At one point, 94.8% win probability.
2: You, you just can't lose that game. You, you especially can't lose when your your point guard Boo Boo he play, goes for 22 and 8.
0: It's awesome. I mean, like, look. And I get it. And I get that you know they've built a good team.
2: But like, you're not one and three in the league. That 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 Maryland game on Wednesday, that that game might as well be. You know, do or die. There are, there are plenty of opportunities. You, know, you can easily turn it around, and go
1: 11-9 or whatever, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen.
0: You start, you start one in the four. Do you start one and four in the league with home losses to Penn State and Maryland? Like, there, there's, and it's particularly the case because their their schedule coming up, Brad. Their schedule after this Maryland game is at Michigan State,
2: home Wisconsin, at Purdue, at Michigan, home Illinois for the rest of January. Like, you don't beat Maryland on Wednesday? Good luck. Like, you're staring at one, you know, two and seven, one and nine, one and eight. And
0: then you're and so, staring at the end, end of the Chris Collins era.
1: Yeah, I, I, I wanted to bring this up because, you know, a lot of people are talking about hot seat coaches – I I kind of wanted to reframe it as who are kind of some coaches you think could get the, the high major jobs? Because we can all sit here and name the 10 to 12 jobs that our, our high major might open, but I, I found it at least personally very difficult to find a replacement for each of those spots.
2: So, Do you, I mean, look,
0: you have the obvious name of, like, Nico Medved. Yeah. Dennis Gates was the name that everyone threw around last year for jobs. He will be in the mix for a lot of jobs this year. So Dennis, Medved, you know, the challenge is, right, there's no A-10 coach right now that you're like, man, that guy's
1: next, right? Maybe Mike Rhodes or maybe Mark Schmidt.
0: This isn't even the year necessarily for VCU. And, like, Rhodes will be picky,
2: you know. Would you? I mean, would you? Would you consider hiring Travis Ford somewhere? Probably not,
0: but maybe. Yeah, pro. Probably not. That, I, I threw out I Archie know.
2: Miller for
1: Northwestern. Well, see, Archie Miller's the cheat code where when when you're filling this out, whenever you're stuck, you can just put Archie Miller in there. Correct. Correct. But lately, I was putting them in for. South Carolina, and then I was like, oh, but isn't Mike Boynton a South Carolina alum? I'll, I'll put South Carolina for Boynton. I'll move Archie over to Arizona State. You know, you can just kind of fling him wherever. Um, but yeah, how about um, – I'll throw out a couple of you to see if there's any sure false here. How about Jeff Bowles?
0: You haven't heard his name a ton, and I think part of that's because he's at its alma mater. But, like, without a doubt, you know, he jumped. I guess the question is like, what job, right? Like, you could throw out maybe like maybe a Northwestern, right? Like he's a Midwestern guy. He's from Ohio. You know, he worked under Thad Mata. Um He's been in kind of that whole like West Virginia. He he was a former Marshall assistant. I don't think he would take Marshall, but that's a job that has been discussed of people saying that could open um, because Marshall uh, Dan Tony could retire. You know, so so maybe there's something there. You know, I, I think bulls. I think bulls would be a guy that would be in the mix for a Big Ten job if it opened. But I don't know that there's a Big Ten job that like you're staring at other than Northwestern, where you're like that's going to open.
1: Did, Do you think that uh, Nebraska's safe for another year?
0: I mean, I I think unless there's NCAA stuff. And if there, I mean, I also think Medved would be like the more obvious name. Like he's a Tim Miles disciple. You know. Obviously, he's had a lot of success.
1: I mean, but but maybe, you know, could a Georgia or a Miami or Washington be more appealing for Mr. Medved?
0: I mean, I don't think he fits at Miami. I don't think he really fits at Washington. Nico doesn't fit anywhere where paying players is a huge part of the
2: equation. Hmm. He's a ball coach. Okay, let's see. Next, um, how about Eric Conkle, former Miami assistant? He's at Louisiana Tech. Could 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 he fit at at Miami? Conkle? Yeah, yeah, that's possible. I, I a name that doesn't get thrown around a lot, but he's a really good ball coach.
0: You know, like, like if you're thinking the names that are like are hot, and again, part of it's like sometimes you become hot by like getting it, going to the NCAA tournament, right? Like, like the problem is like some of these hot, quote unquote, names are guys who like haven't really proven it yet, right? Like Kim English is hot
2: and could get a high major, right? Yeah, I'll 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 give you one more too, who who I don't think's hot, um,
1: but. Steve Prohm. Yeah, he'd be a great mid-major name.
0: A good yeah. mid-major job. M-
1: maybe like if Eric Conklin goes to Miami,
2: throw him down in Louisiana Tech, something like that? I would that. love him in the, in the Missouri Valley. That'd be cool, too. Like or Valpo? About, for, Valpo? Valpo open? How about Matt McMahon?
0: He's not super hot. This team's good. I think the problem with Matt is he doesn't have a thing. And Matt is also, like, he's not known as, like, the best Murray State coach. Like, he's not known as, like, the best one in the pipeline, in, who's been in the pipeline.
1: He coached uh, John Morant, though. I mean, right. That's his that,
0: nice cell. But, like, they haven't, yeah. And they want to turn him in games. So, like, yeah, maybe, maybe for sure. You know, Casey Alexander, that should be a name.
1: Then I'll think of one. I was thinking maybe Matt McMahon for like Kansas State if uh, Bruce Weber is on yeah,
0: Kansas State's a sh- weird job, not a good job, I don't think personally.
1: They're they're kind of like Butler, where like they like go out and like win a ton of games and then bring in a bunch of three star recruits. There's like some disconnect there. I don't know why either recruits don't want to go or they don't want to. You know, they want to recruit a, a certain kid or. I
2: don't know what, but well, Butler's budget is a problem. But really? Oh yeah.
0: What lowest in the Big East?
1: I didn't know that. Yeah. Providence has a very high budget. I don't. I don't know where Providence gets all the money from. Probably from our tuition.
0: Donors. It's all the donors.
1: You would think Butler would have a lot of donors. I mean, they uh, made made the championship. They're they're in the hot hotbed of Indiana, or maybe. Maybe
2: everyone's an Indiana fan and or 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 a Purdue fan. Maybe it's a, a small fan base. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think of this, there's other names
0: that I'm like blanking on that are like obvious like uh that are obvious mid major to move up names. Grant McCaslin.
1: Oh yes. I was Love thinking Grant. maybe
0: Grant would be good for Kansas State.
1: What about like if? Well, well, maybe he he would definitely want Kansas State over like SMU because like the the American's not the American anymore.
0: Right? Yeah, North Texas going to the American.
1: Also true. Which I totally forgot. It. I I have no idea who's in the American, who's in Conference USA, who's in the Sun Belt anymore. It's all it's all a big hodgepodge. <laughs> That's funny.
0: Yeah. You're you you're not up to the you're not up to date with the real life. You probably don't even know who's playing the College Bowl national championship game right now.
1: Alabama and Georgia.
0: Wow, look at you. We're recording mid mid game. It's tough for me. I'm a big uh, I'm a football guy. Brad,
1: you know. Yeah, I was surprised you won the podcast during the game, but,
0: but you know it's, it, I, I've seen this matchup before. I knew we would yeah, be exactly. a second half.
1: That's why it's stupid. You know,
0: look <laughs> like at the national championship every year in college basketball is Gonzaga versus you know Gonzaga versus Duke.
1: I, I so I, I believe Matt Norlander either tweeted or retweeted it that college football hasn't had a team win its first national championship since 1996. That's like, for right. the past 25 years, it's been all repeat champions. Yep. That's, that's kind of alarming, but they don't care. The ratings are good. People die for college football. But I like a little more variety. You know, because, you know, in college basketball, like, people are worried, okay, Coach K's leaving, you know, Bayheim's getting old, Roy Williams left, like, who are going to be our star coaches? And, you know, people will find a way. It's, you know, Nate Oates calls out Coach K, Musselman's doing weird stuff, Pastor's wearing a face shield, you know, Scott Drew's winning all these games now, Jay Wright's winning all these games, Hurley's a nut, you know, he's, he's built some really nice teams long-term for uh, UConn,
2: so... I think we're definitely fine in that category. Yes, agreed. Anything else today? I think that's I think that's the show. I don't have anything else that I want. Well, oh, how about just just
1: just one thing from from Asterix land? Oh, how man. about how about Texas Tech beat Kansas without Terrence Shannon and, Ke- and Kevin McCuller? Well, does does the game count? I don't I don't think it can. I, mean, I think, I think have if it, two it, best it, asterisk a loss, you have two best to lose, you have asterisks go in. Yeah. Exactly.
2: <laughs> that is
1: crazy, though. I mean, how many teams could beat a legit top ten team in the country without their two best players? Well, I mean, certainly not and all, because they can't do anything without their fourth and sixth best players. The crazy
0: thing was, I watched, you know, Texas Tech a few times. I watched the Gonzaga game. Look, like, Clarence Nadolmi played 29 minutes. He was just dreadful, and I was like, Brad, you've been hyping up Clarence Nadolmi. Too much. You know, this guy This guy is no good. Then he just goes out and puts up 17 in Allen Fieldhouse.
1: And was awesome on, on defense as well. I have never had to have missed Bill I think I I was already booking his uh, bus ticket over to Florida Atlantic for next season. I know. You, you still, you, he's not a – he's not putting him science, you know. No, He'll I figured, stick it out. Figure he can go – Go join a former teammate somewhere, but no, I mean, I mean, if you're playing this much now, maybe he's earned a rotation spot.
0: I mean, the last uh, since since Shannon went down, he's played twenty nine, twenty two, twenty four, thirty six, and thirty four minutes.
1: It's that West Texas toughness. I mean, I, I saw Seth Davis he's French. Seth Davis was like freaking out, Sim- similar to a freakout that I've had many times. About how uh, Texas Tech fans are like, we hate Chris Beard. He was a horrible coach, and we and we want nothing to do with him. And he's like, but he brought you to the championship game. Like Seth, he, he's not West Texas tough.
0: Well, well, Jalen
1: Tyson was
0: West Texas tough, then wasn't, and now is again. Absolutely. But he should have just he should have just like put in his like, recruiting statement that he hated all the libs in Austin, and the West Texans would have built a statue before he played his first game. <laughs> You know, just just, I, I mean, look, like all, all joking aside, there is the 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 dynamic. There is so much more than just losing a coach, right? It's it's political, it's cultural, like it is the perfect kind of microcosm of college sports and society, right? Where it's you know the 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 more rural, you know, more, certainly more Republican, um, you know. Whiter area, going to you know the 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 state school, the flagship school, the one that gets all the attention and the you know in the in the puffed up city with the you know know, culture and and, like you already have it's more than losing a coach to Big Brother. It's more than losing a coach in general. It's you know it's a very interesting dynamic and it's gonna be be fun watching this rivalry play out because you know we talked about Mark Adams recruiting as a concern obviously, he can recruit. And I don't know if it's NIL stuff. I know I've heard they've been very active in that marketplace. But between bringing back Taron Shannon this year and Kevin McCullough, but also adding Bryson Williams, and adding Kevin O'Banner, and now you know Jalen Tyson coming in, they've got this excellent 2022 recruiting classic. This is a player getting operation. Mark Adams is running right
1: now. They're
2: getting and some We
1: have to see how, how they finish out this year and, and whatnot. But, but, but the roster seems... Seems to be working well enough because they're just so huge and so good on on the defensive end. And you know, Terrence Shannon's an NBA player, so so when they get him back, they will be certainly playing better than they are currently. And currently, they're taking Iowa State to the wire and knocking off Kansas. So, well,
0: I will I, I will say this actually. This is a great way to end the podcast. Um, if you click on Mark Adams's Ken Tom page, um, he has two. He he has two years of coat of head coaching. His final year at Texas Pan American was the last. Um, it was the first year of Ken Palm. They went one in twenty five, one in seventeen in the uh, in in the league. I don't even know what league. I think the Sun Belt. And now he's at Texas Tech with a top uh a top twenty Ken Palm team and a top five defense.
1: America, as John Rossman says. <laughs> Oh just one last thing. I, I, I listened, podcast, to listened to
0: Ross Go ahead.
1: Listen to Rostin's podcast today because he had a coolie on. I I don't understand his tagline. It's like let's put the women and children to bed and go
2: looking for dinner. Like is that a movie reference? What? He has a tagline on his podcast.
1: You know, like like a like a catchphrase like like before he starts the podcast and it's something like let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for dinner (laughs) i didn't know if that was a movie reference or i
0: I have no idea i would only assume I, i would have to assume it is i should just google it but john Rothstein, man what a character all right well i think that's another podcast in the books we appreciate you all listening we appreciate all of the I appreciate all the support. I saw a lot of basketball this week. It was great.
2: I hope we'll do more of the same this next week and every week after. So uh, we will see you all next week.